born of stand all over the house this morning. Let's begin singing today. Joy to the world. tithes and offerings. Immediately following that, we'll go into our time of meet and greet in scripture and prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you and we glorify your name today. Father, we pray today that you would bless the gift and the giver. Lord, if there's someone here today who can't give for whatever reason, Lord, we ask that God at some point you would bless them so that one day they could give. Lord, for those that are sick at home today, those that were not able to travel due to the weather, or maybe even work it today. God, we pray for them today, Lord, that you would be with them this week and bless them as well. Father, every note that is played, every song that is sung, every message that is given, scripture that is read, let it be for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor that's due your name. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. Will you come at this time and bring your tithes and offerings?
this temple to give you glory, Lord. Lift you, Lord. So, uh, after spending much extra needed time on my knees in the church office, I felt like the Lord wanted me to preach on, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. So, uh, we're going we're gonna to skip Christmas and just talk about, I hear the sound of rain. Um, all joking aside, though, uh, uh, one quick housekeeping item before I jump into the everything else. Um, it is pouring outside. And uh, it is causing a little bit of, of flash flooding uh, in the building. Uh, therefore, uh, what I'm going to ask you to do, those of you that are planning on coming to CLM graduation tonight, unfortunately, uh, while we love to host CLM, uh, our field is not conducive for large amounts of rain. Uh, you will bog down, you will be stuck, and we will not come get you till next Sunday. So, uh, so what we're going to ask you to do, if you're coming today and you're physically able, and we know some of you may not be, but for people like me who are physically able, we're going to ask you to park on the cement pad, our folks, as many as possible, to park on the cement pad that runs adjacent to the uh, church here, double cars. You can fit two side by side if you park appropriately, um, but if you'll park side by side, uh, we can get as many cars in there as we can. I know some of you will be like, well, what if... You know, what if the church is over and I need to get out? You know, we'll, we'll do our best to get all the cars out, but most of our church people stay till the end so if we can get as many of us that can parked on that concrete so that we can leave as many spots along the driveway as much as possible up front and on the edge of the sides of those driveways as much as possible. But as far as the internal part of the field, it is a no-go. Uh, in fact, it is, it is already uh, a swimming pool. I have standing water all over the property. Uh, and I have standing water inside the building and the property. So we're going to ask you. But one thing's good. The septic tank is still going strong. So God is good. So uh, it was quite worth the investment, I'll say that. Um, but um, please be mindful of that. We only have two inches of the six that are supposed to come here so far. So help us with that. Also, uh, every year we like to honor uh, folks um, for Christmas. Uh, for Christmas Sunday. Some of these folks are not here because um, of 
different reasons, work-related, some are out of town, some are, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so I'm going to go through these very quickly um, and, and, uh, and jump through these. First, folks, I'd like to recognize, I'd like to recognize uh, the, the men that serve and their spouses. Uh, they serve with me on the council. Uh, they help me tremendously. They're the ones that vote for us to do septic tank work to present to you and things like that. And they always give me a report of the needs and things like that. So the first one I'm going to um, honor, and he's, I'll give it to him in just a minute when he gets up here, is Brother Marion. He teaches our Sunday school class for the adults. He also uh, is on the council. Uh, Sister Sherry also helps us tremendously leading the music. And so uh, I'll give them that as soon as he gets here in just a moment. But we want to honor him today. Um, Brent, I'm going to ask you to come help me because that way these folks don't have to come. You, you, everybody needs to see your sparkly dress that cost us a lot of money uh, for that. And um, I feel like if we paid that much money for it, we should show it uh, at, at TJ Maxx, $10.99. Um, so uh, this one's uh, to Brother Stan and Miss Brenda. Miss Brenda helps us with our Christian education in Sunday school, Brother Stan. Uh, is on our church council, so I want to honor them, if you'll be so kind. This is my Vanna White uh, today, and uh, um, I'm going to ask while she's on my Miss Brenda Burbage, if she'll come. She's over, uh, does all the property, uh, floral, outside, all the internal property, um, external property, I'm sorry, flowers, arrangements, things like that, as well as plays in the band, so we thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, I would love to honor Miss Ann today. Miss Ann is on her knees praying in the in the office right now with the water. But Miss Ann does what does it? Miss Ann do? Uh, she does benevolence. She does funerals. She cleans floors. She's a Molly made mopper. I mean, you name it. Miss Ann's got it done. So I'll give that to her momentarily. But she's there. Uh, Miss Jeannie is, is she may be in the back. I'm not sure. But we want to honor her. For all our children's ministry, Miss Jennifer Burbage, you can give it to Corey. I'm sure Jennifer will find it. But she helps us with um, all of our children as well. I don't see uh, Brother Primo and Miss Snell yet, but we were going to honor Morgan because Morgan is a part of that team as well. Sister Beulah is here, but she's in the back with Miss Sandy somewhere, I think, in the back. Uh, we honor her for children's ministry as well. Miss Sandy. Miss Sandy's in the back, but she does children's Sunday school. She does children's church. She cleans this entire building every week. She does a lot. Where she changes the church sign, she's always doing something. Owl ministry as well, so we want to honor her. Um, Brandon and Tana, we honor them. If you'll take that to the back of them. They do all of our sound and media to help us stay online and keep us going and unfreezing computers and things like that. So thank you so much for all that you guys do as well. Uh, Riley, uh, Riley sings on our praise team. Uh, we want to honor her today as well. Madison comes every week. She is so faithful to make sure that we have media. and She comes all the time to make sure the computer systems are working. I'll tell you what, it's nice to have teenagers that know how to run computers because it makes things a whole lot easier. Because if we didn't have teenagers, we probably wouldn't have computers because some of us here don't know how to turn them on unless let's work them. So we're thankful for our teenagers. Uh, Miss Glenda's in the back. My brother Mike, I'm going to give you, you and Miss Glenda's. Uh, Brother uh, Mike plays the trumpet. Sister Glenda does children's church. They're involved in things. Uh, Sister Dale and Brother Dennis will take that to Sister Dale. Uh, they are a part of OWL. They help lead the OWL ministry. Brother Dennis plays the bass. Um, don't worry, Brother Dennis. It, it's a gift card. She'll feed you, I promise. Uh, you're not left out uh, in this. Um, Brother Larry and Sister Jennifer. Brother Larry is working, obviously, today. and uh, But he, is, um, he and Sister Jennifer decorate the property inside. They do all of the VBS stuff and organizing it, decorations, things like that, as well as being the band. 
Um, Brother Randy, Sister Carol, if you'll take that, Sister Carol, because she's going to be in charge of that. Um, as well, uh, and so, Miss, what do they not do? Miss Carol does the, the book work. Brother Randy does a lot of maintenance stuff around here. They're constantly here every time the doors are open all the time. I know he's not here. Um, you can give this to Miss Tina, but for Brother Henry, Brother Henry helps me not lose my job. Uh, he's always fixing something I break or tear up. Or if I say, hey, look, I stuck a screwdriver in a socket and it blew out half the church light bulbs. I don't know if that was appropriate or not. He and Brother Dennis say, don't tell nobody. We'll be there in 10 minutes. And so they fix what we tear up around here. They help with flooring and, and decorations and things like that. Um, I, that's all I got for you. I'm sorry. You, you look great. But, but the, last one, the last one that I want to uh, uh, recognize, uh, for the last month plus, as well as other times of the year, um, uh, Brennan has been so uh, faithful to come bail me out more than once so that I didn't have to do that and so we got a Christmas card for him if you'll give that to Brennan uh, as well for his help can we give all of our volunteers, staff, people appreciation for all they do today as well and Miss Brother Marion here's yours up here I'm going to leave it up here and that's it I think or who's, who's no that's not it oh. oh well while they're walking in let's give it up for Miss Sandy and Miss Beulah since they came in a little late there Welcome to church. So good to see y'all. Such a privilege to have y'all today. Come back again sometime when you can. I appreciate it. You know, church isn't church unless you've got a good pastor's wife to drive things around. So we want to honor you and Brianna with a, a gift from the church for Christmas. Thank you very much for all that you do. I'll and, give you that because it's yours anyway, so and, it really yeah, won't matter. <laughs> he'll, never, he'll never see it again. That's a good thing. But we do want to tell you thank you very much and how much we appreciate it. We love you. Brother Marion, if you'll come at this time. chapter 9 I like this prophet like I said already he speaks a lot about Jesus he says in 9 verse 6 he says for unto us a child is born and to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father the prince of peace Verse 7, of the increase of his government and the peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I want to say I'm thankful always for Christ, thankful for his love, thankful for his church. And I like to Go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to, to touch us today. As many that many of that are sick and like the pastor said, homebound. But let's continue to remember them and ask the Lord to lift them up. Let us all pray. Father, again we're so thankful, Lord, for mercies and for grace. Father, we're thankful, Lord, not only for the baby in the manger, but we're thankful for the King. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would just touch us, Lord, afresh and anew. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that throughout this season, Lord, we'll be careful to, to lift you up. You said if we'll lift you up, you'll draw all men. Father, I pray that we will lift you up during this season, Lord, to give you honor where honors do. And, Father, we say all that in Jesus' name. Amen.
worship with me as I sing my favorite Christmas song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Let's stand all over the house again this morning.
Father, Lord, we just love you. We thank you, God, that you sent us your son. Father, we thank you that, God, one day you will take us to heaven. Lord, we may not know the day, the time, or the hour, but, Lord, one day you will take us to heaven to live with you there. Father, that is the message of Christmas. You came, but you didn't just come to come to earth, but you came, Lord, to save us and to redeem us and to restore to us, Lord, all that we have need of. Lord, you brought to us when you came that Christmas morn. Father, I pray you would be with us as we get ready to break the bread of life this morning. Be with us, Lord, as we continue to worship you. Be with us tonight as well as we host CLM graduation and honor the life that had been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Luke, uh, chapter number 2. Luke, chapter number 2. We're, we're going to continue um, our series. We've been on a series called A Hallmark Christmas. Um, and again, we do apologize that some are having to handle some things in the back. I know you may see some folks go in and out, but they're trying to just make sure we keep the water content under control this morning. But we do appreciate them uh, helping us this morning by doing that as well. And also, just again, just if you don't mind, if you're coming tonight to park on the, uh, the sidewalk adjacent to the church, two cars wide, so that we can make sure we do the best we can. We didn't expect this exuberant amount of rain when we scheduled all of this this week. Luke chapter 2, we're going to read quite a few verses of scripture today. If you know anything about um, a couple years ago, we, we actually did a series on Advent. But if you are one that does or participates in Advent season and has candles and does all of the uh, Advent, uh, today's color is, is a pinkish color uh, or it's different than the rest. Um, and it is designed uh, to be called the shepherd's candle. And it is, it is uh, honoring the part of the story the shepherds played uh, in the early Christmas, the first Christmas story. And so they call it the shepherd's candle. It is a little bit different than the other ones because Advent is supposed to be a time similar to like Lent, more of a time of reflection and, and, uh, and consecration. But on the third Sunday of December, uh, they... Uh, they call it the Sunday of Joy. It is the one time in the in the Advent season. It's kind of like getting a, a, a break instead of, of, of fasting and, and consecration. This is the Sunday you get to pig out and do whatever you want to in the Advent season. It's your cheat day. For those of you that diet, this is the cheat day. And so uh, that's, that's kind of why it's a different color to celebrate the joy that Christ brought. And so we're going to read uh, quite a few verses of Scripture, but we're going to read from the shepherd's perspective. Uh, of this story so let's look at it together now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night and behold lo an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were greatly afraid now notice the next part then the angel said to them don't be afraid for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be for all people for are there for you born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be your sign. This is how you know you found the right child. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddled clothes and lying in a manger or a feeding trough for some folks. And suddenly there was with the angels a large group, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, 
and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was that when the angels had departed or gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, well, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has revealed or made known to us. They made their way with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph. And they found a baby lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, when they laid their eyes on him, he changed their life. Because as soon as they saw this Christ child, the Bible said immediately they made known widely the saying which had been told to them concerning Christ. As soon as they saw him, they had to tell somebody about him. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. Now Mary, she pondered these things and she kept them close to her heart. She kind of didn't say much, but she took flash photography in her brain of this moment. But the shepherds, the shepherds couldn't contain it. They didn't ponder it, they shared it. The shepherds returned, they're glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard, but also for all the things they had also seen. They had seen God do. There's a lot of people that hear about the blessings of God. There's a lot of people that hear about miracles. There are a lot of people that hear about how good church is, but there's something different about just hearing about it than experiencing it for yourself. You can hear all day long that Sister Brenda or Brother Marion or Sister Sally or Sister Janie got a miracle. But when you get a miracle and experience of yourself, it's different than just hearing about it. There's something to be said about seeing it for yourself. They heard that Jesus arose from the dead, but James, but, but Peter and John ran to the tomb to make sure he wasn't there. And when they saw he wasn't in the tomb, they made a difference in their lives. You can hear anything. This world will tell you anything you want to hear. There's something to be said about not only hearing the word of God, but seeing the word of God come to pass in your life, just as it was told to them. This morning I want to talk to you on the idea of tidings of joy. Tidings of joy. Let's pray together. Eternal Father, Lord, to the best of my ability, help me to preach your unadulterated word of God. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary that I may decree and declare only your words and your word alone. Be with those today like Sister Lila Faye and others who are sick in body not able to be here. Lord, be with those that have had to uh, not be here due to, to the weather providentially hindered, like Brother and Sister Barnes and others who have had to, to, to slip out to be home, God, at a decent time for the weather. It gets too bad. Lord, I pray you would be with them in their safety. Be with the CLM graduation tonight. But God, I'm praying for the next few moments you would take a coal of the altar of heaven, anoint my lips of clay, and help me to preach your word to your people. God, not my word, but I want you to be uplifted and glorified because that's when transformation and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ becomes so relevant. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the people of God together said amen. You may be seated if you can in the presence of the Lord. Tidings of joy. We're in a series. We have been on a series entitled A Hallmark Christmas. Today's sermon, I did not forget that we are on a Hallmark Christmas theme. Today's message comes from a 2019 Hallmark classic entitled Christmas in Evergreen, Tidings of Joy. Some of you may have seen it, some of you may have not, but we went back in time, all whopping, what, four years of time. 
Christmas in Evergreen. For those of you that haven't seen it, let me share with you this illustrious story. In the movie, it is approaching the Christmas season and visitors are starting to descend on the northern Vermont Christmas tourist town known as Evergreen. One of those tourists is a, you guessed it, New Yorker named Katie Connell. She is a writer with one published novel under her belt. She, who is now doing freelance work, contemplates what novel number two would be about and whenever that time would be to write it. This vacation is to experience a little more of what life was like, which she feels will make her become a better writer to understand the Christmas magic. What starts out as a vacation ends up being a working trip as her mother, Patty Connell, the editor of a business magazine, asks her daughter to write a story for immediate publication. Patty's hope is that it will be a transition for Katie to join her staff and create a more stable life, which Katie has always resisted. Katie decides to find this story in Evergreen. And it's about Christmas traditions. What Katie feels about Evergreen, especially her immediate attraction to and subsequent encounters with the native with the encounters with natives, she suddenly meets one of the town local Evergreenian named Ben Baxter, who is actually just so happened to be the town librarian, who once worked as a big city reporter. And they may have different views on what would be a magazine-worthy story. What happens between Katie and Ben have affected them on diverging life paths. Ben has been contemplating returning to the city to resume his, you guessed it, writing career. Isn't it just a coincidence that one writer meets another writer in an evergreen town, in the small town library, writing publication about Christmas traditions? I am sick already. I don't even want to read the rest of the story. Here we go. Katie is writing about Ben's beloved hometown. Katie's story may be overtaken by the latest going-ons in town where there is evidence that there is a 50-year-old time capsule where someone had buried it and it was now time on the 50th anniversary to open the time capsule. At the famous... Evergreen Christmas Festival. This story with its plot twists and turns ends up being one not only full of adventure in this town, but as you guessed it, a couple who both them and the town find what they call tidings of joy. How many of you are sick right now? I am. I just, anybody else feeling nauseous or I'll be glad when we get to parts of the year that we get to have, you know, we are Sparta in church. In the Advent season, we have lit the candle that represents joy. Typically, as I said, Advent is, can be at time more of like a Lent season, a time of reflection. But today is a day that it's kind of a break from the, the, 
the doldrums of Christmas to celebrate the joy that Christmas brings. It is used to reflect the joyful anticipation of the shepherds who journeyed all the way to Bethlehem even before wise men arrived to see this Christ child. Today's text brings us to a quiet Judean hillside, most likely in the late fall to possibly early springtime of the year. Shepherds were in the fields watching and living amongst their sheep and protecting them. They would often travel with other shepherds for companionship and they would take turns at night doing the night watch. Sometimes they would even find a cave-like area where they could pin the sheep inside and they could sleep at the opening just in case one tried to make a run for it. But it was on one of these quiet, lonely nights that the light of our story takes place. It was a great, wonderful, marvelous, exciting, awesome thing for them to find themselves in the same country with a newborn baby. Still today, it is a great, wonderful, marvelous, and exciting thing to realize we are in the same abiding area of the presence of God. Today we're going to focus on what a little child, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a horse feeding trough for a crib, what that little bit of chaotic moments that took place, how it brought unspeakable, unfathomable, and unexplainable joy to everyone who laid eyes on this child. But I want to caution. I want to share with you as a as a as a element of caution, if you will, that some folks, while like while they like to celebrate Christ as the Christ Child, we must realize that he did not stay a baby. The next time he returns, he's not coming just as an infant, so lowly, meek, and mild, but he is coming triumphantly as a king, bearing a sword to divide eternity from the time that we are in today. Now, while we celebrate Christmas, and we are going to talk about that, we must also realize that the joy of Christmas is actually a precursor, if you will, for us to look forward to the anticipation of His return again. He came once, but He's coming again. And Christmas just lets us know that the same God that came down from heaven and earth when we needed Him most way back when, is the same God that will split the eastern sky one day and come again when we need Him most to get us out of this place called earth or this world that we live in. So there's a few, mo a few points of emphasis today that I want to bring to our attention. The first part of this is I want to set up the scene. I want you to see what's happening in this story. There's a lot of moving parts. I... I I, uh, uh, many years ago, ha had a uh, sermon series uh, that I did uh, and called The Christmas Chaos. And I talked about how the Christmas story is not so smooth. It has a lot of twists and turns and ups and downs and lefts and rights. And, and the whole story of Christmas in, re in reality is actually full of pandemonium. From unexpected pregnancies to uh, st uh, someone having to immediately come into a stepfather or a bonus father role to, to, to wise men traveling hundreds of miles over a couple year journey to angels lighting the night sky to kings wanting to kill every baby for fear of 
one of them rising up one day to overthrow his kingdom. I mean, the story is filled of a lot of plot twists. Babies being packed up and shipped off to Egypt until the king dies to come back home to Nazareth. I mean, you talk about a lot of moving parts. Most of the time when you have a baby, you want to just be able to go home and settle and just get used to having this child and get used to this new way of life. For Mary and Joseph, it was pack your bags, sell the house, and move to Egypt. How would you like it if you had a baby and for its second birthday, you had to pack up and move to Russia or China or across the world? For some folks, they'd be like, that will never happen. Well, that's what Mary and Joseph did. It's not an easy task, not an easy journey, but that's the, that's the story. The story is full of chaos. You have to realize that the world had been waiting for hundreds, plural, of years for the arrival of this promised child. Brother Marion so eloquently this morning read out of Isaiah one of the prophetic utterances regarding the Messiah's arrival. We know that Malachi and others and various prophets of old prophesied of this and coming, the soon coming of a Messiah. But their prophecy of the impending arrival of a Messiah took over 400 years to come about. The Messiah didn't come two days after the prophecy. It came 400 plus years. The people that heard the prophecy had been long dead and gone before the baby showed up on planet earth. The people that had been hoping and anticipating, they had passed this story down from generation to generation to generation to generation. There had been countless generations that had heard the story, but had yet to see the child. There are lots of people, even in the day and hour we're living in today, that they have prayed and they've asked God and God gave them a promise that he'd save their children. God gave them a promise he'd save their grandchildren. God gave them a promise that he would do something and they prayed about it and some of those people have died and their prayers are outliving their life. And they've told the next generation and they've told the next generation and there have been two and three and four generations of, of, of the Lord promised us, the Lord promised us what about Abraham? God promised him to be a father of many nations. Abraham died before he saw all that God was going to do in the nation of Israel's life. You see, God will fulfill his promise. God will fulfill everything he says. But it may not be in your lifetime. It may not be on your time scale. It may not be when you want it. These shepherds that are abiding in the fields... They may have read the story of the coming soon and coming of the Messiah, but they knew it was just a distant writing, if you will, because they weren't there when Isaiah prophesied, for unto you born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They weren't there that day in church when that prophecy was uttered. But notice the backdrop of this story. The angels do not go to the Rotary Club. The angels do not tell the Roman soldiers. The angels do not tell the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the church leaders of the day. The angels did not tell the priest, a.k.a. the pastors, the word of God that day. The angels did not tell the scholars or the wealthy that night. The angels did not send a messenger into the palace halls of Herod that night. But 
the angels visited a people on the outside of town, away from it all, all alone, all by themselves. You got to understand, announcing this to shepherds is pretty outside of the box. It's pretty crazy. I mean, shepherds don't fit the mold. That, that's not the people you would announce your big reveal. You know, nowadays we do cool stuff like, hey guys, at 8 o'clock, turn in on to Facebook, the church Facebook, at 8 o'clock, we've got a big announcement. We've got a big announcement. We, tell, we do it all the time. 8 o'clock, you don't want to miss it. Sign on to Facebook, big announcement regarding the church. That's how we do it nowadays. 8 o'clock, we wait for everybody to sign on. Sometimes the announcement is big. Sometimes it's, by the way, we just got big church check that's going to pay off the debt. We're all excited about that. Sometimes the announcement is no church tonight. You're like, that was a big reveal. You know, you set me up for, we could have sent a text message out for that. That was a big reveal. If you were going to announce God incarnate coming to earth and you polled a hundred people of that day, the last people that would have been told the last people that would have been thought of to be the first to know the story would have been the shepherds. Nobody would have picked them first. They don't fit the mold. They're not the Hollywood elite. They're not the upper up, the echelon of society. They're not, who are they? They are poor people. They are impoverished people. They are people that can't offer much of anything. Why would you tell them? Because they can't do too much. That's exactly why they were offered. Because God is not just for those who have something to give. He is the one that gives first. Presses it down, shakes it together. And then out of the abundance he gives you, you give back to him. It's not your money. It was his money. It's not your job. It's his job. It's not your house. It's his house. You say, well, my name's on the title. If you didn't have the brain capacity to work, you wouldn't have a house to live in. Everything belongs to God. Out of the abundance of what God does for me, I get back to who he is for me. And so the shepherds are outside the box. They are poor. They are considered the same level as servants or slaves. Even though they are blue-collar workers, they're considered slaves. Notice their life. Talk about a cruddy situation here. The Bible says, notice the key word. Let me find the scripture one more time for you to read it. They were in the same country, shepherds. <coughs> notice the word. Living, living out in the fields. Which tells me something very important. They did not go home every night and get a shower. My God. Yes, hanging out with a bunch of barnyard animals. They stink. You stink. And ain't nobody taking a bath. Look, let me just help you all with something. My wife might could get away with that because the smells don't bother her with her line of work. She just don't care. It's whatever. I can't do that. Now, my wife, don't get me wrong. My wife takes showers and all that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, Mike goes outside, rolls around in the dirt, Got mud from head to his toe. He's covered in cow manure. It doesn't. She's like, it's all right. I'm like, you won't get in my car like that. You'll walk behind the car on the way home. 
You know, yeah. We will spray you down. In fact, son, just jump right there in the middle of that swimming pool. I know we don't have a change of clothes. I'm going to tie you up to the roof rack, the top of the car. Your air dries. I'm driving. You're not getting anything. No, no. I think I would literally shrivel up and die if I couldn't take a shower. Mission trips are so hard for me. Not because I don't want to bless people. I struggle that I may not get a shower for a couple days. And when I do get a shower, it ain't hot. It's mountain water. You can't heat up mountain water. It don't matter how much you leave it boiling in a pot outside. It's still cold. It never warms up. You can go, you can go dead as from 117 degrees, middle of August, and go to North Carolina and put your feet in one of them little creeks, and you think, my gosh, I've just got pneumonia. Freezing. They can't take a bath. They're dirty. Now, my wife will tell you that I don't do well with dirt. They're dirty. Notice where they're abiding. They're abiding outside the city, which means it's awfully quiet out there. They can't hear the sound of the city. They're in the quiet parts. There's no hustle or bustle. They're not near Walmart in Somerville on Saturday. My wife decided yesterday we were going to a gingerbread party. She thought, can't go to a party and not bring anything. I said, we could consider it. She said, no, no. I said, well, what is everybody bringing? Well, they're bringing their different kinds of candy and this, that, and the other. And I said, okay. What do you want? Well, I want them little gumdrops, spiced gumdrops. I said, okay. Micah had basketball practice. Micah goes to Faith. On a normal day, I can leave Faith parking lot, drop to Walmart, get my stuff, and be back at faith in about 15 minutes for a normal day. For some reason, my brain thought, well, I got 30 minutes, 30, 40, 30 to 40 minutes. That gives me a 15-minute cushion. That should be okay. That's what Brandon wants. She wants me to go there. I walk into Walmart. I get there. I leave at 1 o'clock. I get at Walmart at 1.05. Still good on time. I walk down the candy aisle. It looks like the stalkers forgot to unload the boxes because it is nothing on the rack. I mean, nothing you can use for a gingerbread house. I mean, I mean, I guess you could take a dumb, dumb sucker and shove it to the gingerbread house and have lights like that, but that's about all that's on there. There's no Tootsie Rolls or nothing on there. So I call my wife. Now it's like 112, 115. What do you want? There ain't no candy. Why don't you buy a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch? What? For a gingerbread house? Yeah, we can make shingles. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think this far in advance. So I go to the aisle and I get a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I go check out. That's when the problem started. As I rounded the corner and I saw the line, they were not lining up to see Santa. They just wanted their cinnamon toast crunch too. There wasn't a checkout line to be had. I finally get there, check out. I open up, well, I don't, the, the mechanical doors open up and I go to walk outside and it dawned on me where I parked. When I got there, I realized it was so far, it was so packed, and there was not a thing. I had to park 
Some of you will know this is, some of you may not. I had to park where the New Yorker store, suit store is, all the way up there by Shoney's. To walk from Shoney's to Walmart, y'all. Fat people like me don't like walking that far. Like, I want to, I'm eating a little Debbie cake while I'm walking. I don't even want to walk. I want to sit down. I want one of the motorized scooters to take me at this point. Frustrated. Now I got to walk all the way back to my car. Honest confession is good for the soul. I'm just going to be honest with you. Your pastor is not a perfect human. My wife calls at 1.35 and says, have you left town yet? I was not saved right then. I said, I'm going to need to call you back. This is not a good time for us to talk. Why not? For the sake of our marriage, this is not a good time for us to talk. What's wrong? I'm going to give you one more instruction right now. Just, just, no, let's not talk. The frustration, the hustle and bustle. You know, yeah, I called her back and I explained it to her, but I was so agitated. Why? Because it was, it was, candy, it was pandemonium. Stuff everywhere. The shepherds didn't have to worry about that. They weren't near Walmart. Worst thing they had to do is look at two sheep stare at each other and go, that was about all the excitement they got that night. That was it. That's not much. That was entertainment. They're like, what did he say? You know, what, what, what an interesting thing. You know, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. You know what, the one, the one, the one Christmas song I've always struggled with was the song said the little lamb to the shepherd boy. And the reply was, do you hear what I hear? Okay, to me that sounds like schizophrenia for a counselor. Anybody ever had a sheep bah and you realize what it said? Because I haven't ever had that. Dog barks, I don't know what it's saying. These shepherds have spent so much time out in the fields that everything, that's their life. That's their, that's their there's no TVs. There's no video games. There's no baseball games. This is life. This is life. And yet in the middle of this silent moment, you got to remember, no material possessions matter. In the middle of all of this, God chose them. He chose them. They're not highly esteemed. In fact, historians tell us shepherds were not allowed to stand witness as a witness in a matter of court of law. They weren't even worthy to be considered a character witness in court. That's how low they were looked upon. You're not even worthy to talk. The honesty was not highly rated in the world, but yet while the world said these guys aren't worth anything, God said my message is worth telling you. It's not the first time God used this approach, though. Look at this real quick. Moses. You might want to remember when Moses had the burning bush experience and God gave him his call when he was watching sheep in a field, in a desert. When Samuel comes knocking at the house of Jesse and he asks to anoint king and everybody's lined up and he asks, Jesse, I, these are none of the ones that God has chosen do you have any more sons? And he said, yeah, I got one more. Anybody remember where he said he was at? Oh, he's out in the field watching sheep. God specializes in talking to people out in fields watching sheep. Christ today is still not looking for the wealthy, most educated, most talented, most successful. 
He's still trying to speak to people who are away from the noise of the world, out in the quietness of time, in a prayer closet, whatever. He's still out there trying to talk to people out there abiding in the fields with the sheep. That's who he's talking to. The angels pierce the darkness. In fact, the psalmist said in Psalms 18, 28, For you light my lamp, the Lord my God illuminates the darkness. God breaks through the darkness. So all of a sudden there's these angels. They show up. The light shines. They begin to have a conversation. So now I want you to see the second part of this story. The angel comes to them and says, God's son's been born. He's here. You remember those prophecies that's been prophesied 400 years ago? God's brought it to pass. It's happened. It's there. One problem. Which child? I mean, really. If you come in and say, hey, pastor, God's son's been born. There's about a hundred other babies that got born tonight too. I'm going to need a little more information about which child am I looking for. Because while not all babies look the same, they all pretty much look pretty close. They have no teeth, they have limited hair, and they cry. You've got to give me something a little bit more. Give me a feature. Does he have a freckle? Does he, does he, does he have blue eyes? Does he have, give me some kind of moniker to let me know I know this is the right child. I've often talked to people before who have identical twins. And I always ask them, how do you know which one's which? Like if they're identical twins, and some of them will say, well, I put the blue sock on Jeff and I put the green socks on Jim. I said, what if they kick them off and you put them on the wrong baby? How do you know which one at that point to do? And they'll say, oh, well, Jeff's got a dimple behind his ear. And Jim don't. Nobody else would know that. If you look at him, you think you're looking at an identical baby. The shepherds did not want to give, oh, excuse me, the angels did not want to give the shepherds any chance to miss this moment. So they give them a sign. In fact, the Bible, they, they made it pretty clear. It wasn't like one of these subliminal messages. They said, and this will be your sign. This is the sign. Here's your sign. Here's what it is. What's the sign? What am I looking for? You find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. That's something you don't see every day. If you're going out looking for the new babies in town, you normally don't go look in the barn. You go to the hospital. You go upstairs and you look for the blue balloon on the door or the pink balloon or you look through the little nursery glass and the, they'll open it up. That's when you look for babies. Most people when they call and say, hey, pastor, my grandbaby was born. Normally you don't go, we're headed down to the farmer's market to see where they put it. You don't do that. You go to the hospital, right? That's a, that's a pretty big deal. That's a, you're not looking for babies in barns. So if you find a baby in a barn, that's probably a special situation. That's the sign. And they say to them, you just go and find him. The reality is still the same today. We can go search for Christ Jesus. God gave us a here's your sign. In a barn, Christ went to an unexpected place. Can I tell you, God still goes to unexpected places. He still is our source of nourishment. He was born a baby in a barn. 
He died a criminal on a cross, but he'll return a king triumphant. What a change of story. Charles Spurgeon once said, Men tremble when they approach a throne, but no one fears to approach a manger. They say men will tremble. If they go up before a king, they'll tremble before a king in fear. But no one fears approaching a manger. That's why Jesus came so meek and mild. Yes, he is worth trembling at his presence. Yes, he is worth worshiping him. Yes, he is worth being able, you know, his presence and his glory abounds. But he came as a baby to let us know he's approachable. Yes, we have to honor the fact that he's God. Yes, we should go before his presence with fear and trembling. But he came originally to let us know he is an approachable God, not a God that we're not able to approach. What a beautiful sign. What a beautiful thing. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a barn. He wasn't born into plenty. He was born into poverty. It started out with a singular angel that turned into an angelic choir. Praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Man, could you imagine the sound of that choir? Look, I've been to some great places and heard some great singing. I've been all the way to New York City, Brooklyn, New York. Went to church at Brooklyn Tabernacle. Heard Pastor Jim Cimbala preach. Heard the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. I sang with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir before, but I got to hear... Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir and Singers sing. They're good. They're real good. I mean, they jam up from first note to last note. They are jam up. I've been to churches, quiet camp meetings and other things where the choirs that were there were jam up. Now, I know I'm going out on a limb, but I'm pretty sure that none of them sounded as good as that angel choir. They take the cake. And yet the shepherds, just being humble servants, not wanting any accolades or recognition, just humble people, got to hear the most beautiful sound that's ever kissed the sky. The wise men saw stars and came. Shepherds heard angels sing. Everybody eventually found out Jesus was born, but not everybody heard the angels sing he's born. You start singing songs like Hark the Herald Angel Sings and George of the World, you might hear some people do a good rendition of Christmas songs, but none of them were like the ones the shepherds heard that night. And the final thing I want to bring to your attention is a sheltering place. Jesus is in a barn, so he's protected from the elements. And that's great. That's wonderful. The angels depart, but the shepherds are an impasse, at an impasse. What do we do? Do we leave our sheep out here in the field? In the middle of the night, do we try to carouse them all up together and do we make a journey to Bethlehem? Do we abandon the sheep altogether and go to Bethlehem? Or do we stay here doing what we're supposed to do and hope for the best? And then if you know, we'll hear about this tomorrow when we go back into town to get our supplies. They have a decision to make. 
Can I tell you, not only at Christmas, but every day of the year, we have to make a decision what we're going to do with the information we know about Jesus Christ. We know. His word tells us. His word speaks to us. We know. But every day we have to decide what are we going to do with what we know. And yet, the shepherds decide nothing else is of greater importance than finding this child. Now, we don't know if they took their sheep or not, but what we do know is they did not stay at the spot they were at with the sheep. They pack up their bags. They say, let us go find this thing the angels told us about. Boy, what would it be like if churches across this world had a shepherd's mentality like that? Nothing else matters except finding Jesus. The music doesn't matter as much. The sound is great, but doesn't matter as much. The parking lot flooded is bad, but that doesn't matter as much. Floods, waters rising up, needing Noah to build us an ark to get out of here. It's a lot of work. What if the church world, the only thing that mattered was that if everything else fell apart around us, we still had to find Jesus in that moment. To the shepherds, nothing else mattered but Jesus. What would it be like if that was our heart? God, nothing else matters to us but you. But you. The Bible tells us Christ described himself as the light of the world. He has closed as the mention of his name. The songs were hushed, the choir dismissed, darkness was again in the sky, the visions were gone, but when everything went back to what we call normal, angels gone, no more lights, everything settled back to normal, guess who still remained? Jesus. Angels go back, the choir's dismissed, the visions are gone, the darkness is back into the sky, but yet Jesus was still nearby. Can I tell you, no matter what you're going through, when the darkness is covering the sky, the word of the Lord's not speaking, the visions are not coming, the music's not playing, the choir's not singing, the preacher's not preaching, nothing seems to be going right when all of it seems to go back to normal, life goes back to normal, everybody forgets about you, everybody stops talking to you, and everything goes back to the darkness, Jesus still remains. He's still in the middle. He's still very close. He still remains. You see, he is Emmanuel, God with us. The lives of the shepherds, Miss Carol, you make your way. The lives of the shepherds were forever changed. Darkness turned to light. They went from being an outcast to being a missionary. They were lonely out in a field and felt like no one ever cared before. Now they're telling the world the greatest story to ever be told. They find the Christ child right where they said he would be in a stable. The psalmist tells us in Psalms 91, 1 and 2, that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. For I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge or my shelter and my fortress, a God in whom I trust. God is a sheltering place for all. Psalms 46 and 1, I happen to look it up in a, tr a different translation 
And one of the translations that I looked it up in was called the Good News Translation. And it does, you know, I'm very careful about this, but I like the way they wrote it and it didn't lose its meaning or didn't change the thing. But the Good News Translation wrote Psalms 46 and 1 like this. God is our shelter and strength, always ready to help us in times of trouble. I love the way they paint that picture. God is our shelter and strength and always ready to help us in times of trouble. Jesus might have been a baby in a manger, but he came to be our shelter in place. He came to be our shelter. Did I say, storm's coming. Find you a shelter in place. Find a safe place. Go to a, go to a, a bunker. Go to a, a, a church. Go to a school. Go, go somewhere. Make sure you stay in a shelter and stay safe. Jesus came to remind us that he is our refuge, our shelter, our source of safety. Ready to help us in times of trouble. There's an old song that says, No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take away the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. He cared so much that he would trade the riches and splendors of heaven to become an infant baby. Humble meek and mild. He went brother Wayne from being the wealthiest of all wealth to be born in the poorest of conditions. He went from navigating streets of gold and 144,000 square miles of bliss to running for him his life before he even had his second birthday. He went from being top dog, the best of the best, the most important person on campus, to being treated like a criminal, publicly shamed and humiliated before the world on a cross. He didn't do it for himself. It wasn't like he needed it. You needed it. And I needed it. He became our shelter in our time of trouble. He wasn't in trouble. My life was in trouble. Your life was in trouble. It wasn't him. It was us that was in trouble. But he came. The shepherds were once a nobody who got to tell everybody about somebody who changed their life. There is nothing more joyful and euphoric as the emotions experienced at Christmas. Yet Christ does not have to be a one month out of the year experience. We can experience the glad tidings of comfort and joy all year long. You say, well, Pastor, my life's not always fun and joyful. So that's where we have a false sense of joy. Joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness comes from a Latin word and the root word that means happenstance. You are happy in the situation you're in and so you find your joy 
based off your situation, happiness. You find it in that moment of what you're in. Joy is not based on your situation. It's based on your confidence of what you know. I'm not always happy to pay taxes. But even when I'm paying taxes, I can have the joy of the Lord in my heart at the tax office. I'm not happy to give the money away. But I'm thankful I have a job to be able to be able to have money to give away. See, my joy, the joy that I have, the old song says, the world didn't give it to me, the world can't take it away. The joy is not based on my situation. It's based on facts of who I am and who he is. Joy is not going to always, happiness, you're not going to always be happy, but you can, also, you can always have the joy of the Lord in your heart. It is one of the top nine fruits of the Spirit. It made the top ones. In fact, it's in the top three. Love, joy, patience, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, you know. This season, when you are fighting Walmart, like me, trying to get that last minute gift on Amazon, trying to get lunch, whatever it may be, even when you're stressed to the max, sitting in traffic, trying to get home, realize that this season, you still can experience tidings of comfort and joy, because the same baby that was born thousands of years ago, though he's not a baby anymore, he is still the God of all comfort, and the administer of all joy. Even today, flooded parking lots, chaos around us, in this world, you still can find joy. I'm thankful septic tanks work today. That's joyful to me. I'm thankful that I didn't rent a boat to get to church. I was able to drive to church because my house wasn't completely submerged underwater. I'm thankful for that. If you look hard enough, you can find a reason to have joy in your heart. With every head bowed and every eye closed, anyone here today that would say, Pastor, I would just like for you to pray for me today. I'd like to find that joy again. I'd like to find the joy of the Lord. I, I don't have His joy. And I want to find joy again. I want to live a life again that has joy. Pastor, would you pray for me that I can have that joy again? If that's you today, just slip your hand up. If you just, if you'd like to find the joy of the Lord. Yes, God bless you. Heavenly Father, I have done my very best today to preach your unadulterated word to the people of God. Father, there are men and women under the sound of my voice today, God, that they are faithful to come to church. They're faithful in all that they, they do to serve you. Father, this morning, I'm asking today that you would allow them today to experience the joy of the Lord. Because the Bible, the Lord tells us, your word tells us, the joy of the Lord can be our strength. So today, Lord, I'm asking for you to be our strength. God, Lord, we are so thankful that you came and you were born. We thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you that, Lord, you have not just came, but you have left your presence, abiding presence, still with us today. For us to truly still experience Emmanuel, God, with us. And Father, we just continue to love you and we ask that you would bless us and keep us 
Make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us and give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. Guard our hearts until you come again. And may the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. And all God's people together said amen. Amen. If you'll stand all over the house before uh, Brother Randy prays our benedictory prayer, please remember the service tonight starts at 5, not 6, 5. Uh, bumped up an hour because of some uh, scheduling conflict for CLM. Also, after uh, much research, dialogue, discussion, etc., uh, we have made an alteration or adjustment to our, our schedule coming up for Christmas. We will have regular, when I say regular, but regular Christmas Eve service on Sunday morning at 11. But we will not do the 5 p.m. one due to too many people have so many things going on. There's a lot of people that said they're going to be gone. They're going to be out of town. They've got family coming in. They've got, they've got, they're sick and they're just struggling and they they do their best. But 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 there's too many essential personnel that for us to have it would 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 be quite a, a daunting task to do it twice. So we will have candlelight communion. Our version of that on Sunday morning. It may not be completely dark outside. But our version of Candlelight Communion will make that a part of our 11 o'clock service next week and get you out of here. So next Sunday night, there will not be a, a 5 p.m. Uh, Candlelight Communion service. We'll do it all in the morning service. Tonight's service starts at 5 as well, just because of CLM. So make sure, and if you can, help us park up there, double cars wide. Brother Andy, would you pray?